0: Hello and welcome to another episode of SBCC Vaqueto Voices, a podcast highlighting the unique voices that comprise our campus culture and how we're all working together to serve our students and the community at large. As usual, I'm joined by co-host Akil Hill. What's good, y'all? But wait, what? hold
1: up! <laughs> Happy birthday, hon <Hans. laughs> It is Hans' <laughs> birthday.
0: As, as, as of today's recording date, is also my birthday, the day after <laughs> Mother's Day. So I always say I'm the the best gift a mother could have but you know we all know what (laughs) what that what the where the truth really lies (laughs) (laughs) and today we are honored to welcome Angelica Contreras to the show welcome welcome thank you thank you and happy
2: birthday Hong. (laughs) feliz cumpleaños
0: gracias gracias so we are um you are joining us as, you know, you're running a couple programs here. You, you're, you're running Admissions and Records, which we had Michael Madell on earlier in you know episode four or five, pretty early on in the series. So we've, we've got a pretty good run of that. But you're also in charge of dual enrollment here on campus. and Dual enrollment is an important program here. So if you could kind of flesh out what that means for folks that don't know about maybe dual enrollment, if you want to t- see how it ties into your job and admission records, if it does at all or if it doesn't. <laughs> and then just, uh, yeah, just kind of a, a quick breakdown of what you do here on campus.
2: For, yeah. for the audience. Thank you guys for having me. Good morning. Yeah, so I am currently overseeing the dual enrollment program here on campus, and it actually does have a lot of correlation with admissions and records. Dual enrollment and admissions in the past work together very closely, and so it makes sense for our office to, you know, oversee the program because dual enrollment is a heavy, heavily audited uh, program when we get audited, so it actually is good that we have some oversight over the program. And what dual enrollment is, is it's a program where students under 18, so high school students, even junior high students, take courses on, you know, either on the high school campus and get college credit or they take courses on the college campus and get credit. So students are trying to complete their high school A through G requirements and also completing some college courses that do complete their, you know, um, I get CAA degree certificates, things like that. So it's a great, you know, program and pathway for students to get, you know, introduced to college. And I think that, you know, the future goal is to really introduce college to students that maybe typically would not, you know, think about college before. So we've, we've piloted a few programs like that where we are you know, trying to reach out and advocate for students who are, you know, of our Latinos in our community. So we work with um, SB Unified's PEAK program. And so we work with them to help their kind of cohort of students go introduce them to college. So from those students going from eighth grade to ninth grade, we offer a class called PD 115, which is a course where students get time management experience on the college campus. So it's a one week intensive course that's taught by our faculty members, typically our counselors here on campus and students um, will, you know, try and get the tools that they need to be successful in high school and in college in the future, but it's kind of introducing them. It's kind of getting them excited about college. We we really like to have that course here on the college campus so that they're physically coming here. We provide lunch for them. We get them transportation here, and then we work again with the PEAK program and have tutors in the class, and then at the end of the program, it's kind of exciting. We have a a presentation where the parents and the students come and we invite some of the community members and students give a presentation about what they learned during the week. So it's kind of an exciting program, fun program. And I think it makes all the hard work during all of the year really worth it to see what we're working for and what the goal is for these students. So we'd really love to do more programs like that, expand those types of programs for our community.
0: So I guess I had a quick question, you know, when mm-hmm. students sign up for dual enrollment to take classes, do they have to take like the I get C and all the, the, the pre-rec classes, they can take any class they want or are they kind of like led on the track like you should do something that helps you when you get to college or is it they can pick any class?
2: Well, there are some exceptions that they cannot take, but there aren't very many. Typically we ask them to take the college level courses. SBCC does not approve the courses that they take necessarily, except for the ones that we kind of have a hard, no, you should not take these. They actually meet with their high school counselor And so when I say that they complete their A through G requirements, it's the high school counselor that's giving them advice and advising them and saying, you know, if you want to kind of leverage your schedule, you should probably take and you know, you want to go to a university, you should probably take Spanish. At the, at the college campus and get that dual credit. You'll get the high school credit for your language and you'll get the college credit for your language. We have a lot of students that take their history classes, ethnic studies, things like that, mostly because they, they're interested in certain courses at their high school campus and their schedule is just, maybe they're in sports and things like that. And their schedule is just already so impacted that they wanna take some college courses to kind of help fill their class schedule. So they'll usually do that in the summer.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh.
2: And and historically, you know, unfortunately, the the process to apply for college, is, it's not easy. So there are a lot of steps to enrollment. So there's an application. And as a dual enrollment student, you do have to have other requirements that you need to complete. So you do have to have a parent consent form. It's a one-time only form that you need. The parent signs off and says, yes, I'm comfortable with my kid taking college courses. I understand that this is going to go on their college transcript. Um, and the student is now a college student. So I can't go and advocate for my student, like I do at the high school, which is big. And then also they have to, that's just a one time only, but they also have to do what's called a dual enrollment approval form. And on this form, that's where they meet with the high school counselor and the high school counselor signs off and says, yes, I approved for you to take this course. And that's every term. So it's not it's not a one and done. It's you have to do that every single term. And You meet with your counselor to be sure that you're on the right track, that you're not just taking classes that are not really going to help your, your future. And the idea is to get the student on a pathway. And that's something that we're still in the works of doing is really trying to establish those pathways for our students. So really being more intentional about how we we provide those pathways for students. So right now, when we talk to talk about students taking classes on the high school campus and getting college credit, so, you know, SB Unified and Carpinteria Unified, we work with them to offer classes on their high school campus to get college credit. Some of the classes are taught by SBCC adjuncts, and some classes are taught by high school instructors that have been already approved to teach on the on the college course. So they are, they're paid by SB Unified, but they're approved to teach. And so they they follow our curriculum, they, you know, do all of that, and they get the high school and college credit. And so our idea is to, in the future, be more intentional about those courses on the high school campus to be sure that those courses are meeting a pathway or a track for students. So they're, you know, not just all over the board, but we're, we're saying like, oh, if you take you know, in high school as your freshman, you take this class and this class is a sophomore and this class is a junior and a senior, you'll have a certificate done. So really trying to create that clear pathway for students. Um, and I know I keep using that word, but that's the word is like, we want to make sure that they have a clear way of getting forward so that they have something that they're walking away from. And if the student sees that, you know, I was able to complete this while in high school, and now you only have five more classes, and I get my AA done, like, wow, we've done the student, you know, a great service by doing that. So that's, that's the goal.
0: And it's it's a good goal, because not only is it where you students can finish earlier if a student doesn't want to finish earlier but they just want to take a a broader range of classes that may not be like requirements. They have more room to I took of HP classes. I am a former dual it wasn't called Dual when I did it, but I'm a former dual Roman student from LA uh-huh. and I that's why I took bowling six times when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Graduated in five years took <laughs> took five <laughs> get a philosophy degree. Took bowling like six times, basket weaving, but it's, I mean there's a reason still <laughs> I still can't throw a strike. It still can't throw a strike. <laughs> oh if I if I break a hundred it's a good it's a good time at the bowling alley. I, I, I honestly bowl like Fred Flintstone if anything. <laughs> I tiptoe walk up with the, yeah, but, but I, I mean, I guess my last question before we start talking about the personal insight part of it is is this primarily a summer program or can students use it you know mm-hmm. all year round you know as long as they can handle the load because I mean it's, it'd be a lot but but it is yeah. theoretically possible if they want to yes
2: absolutely it's theoretically possible for them to take this all year round our busiest time for students to take classes on the college campus is in the summer but now that you know a lot of classes it's kind of a hybrid even for the high school kids and because our classes a lot of them are now offered online, we've been seeing that students are taking advantage of that and more students are starting to take those online courses during the year as well. So, yeah, they can do a range of it.
1: You know, we often would w- joke in admissions because in the summertime, it's like full blown high school campus with all the dual enrollment students. You know, we're like, it's grade 13. And, you know, all the, a lot of the college students are like, man, I'm taking two semesters. I, I'm taking the summer off. And these high school students come in and they just pick up the slack. They come in, they they take classes. They're on campus. It's it's really cool, you know. You just walk around, you see them probably trying to like really envision themselves being on a college campus. It's such a it's such a great program in, in in that way, you know. Yeah, absolutely vouch for the value of program, and I would absolutely
0: say you should do the col- the classes on a college campus. I don't know what the class the college classes at high school campuses are like, but. In terms of opening my eyes, I mean, because I grew up, I knew I was going to college. My parents from the day I was born, like, you're going to college, you're getting a good job because you got to take care of us because we're breaking down already. We're going to need you and your sisters to pay for everything we do because we don't have 401k. We got nothing. You're our insurance plan. So you're going to college, you're getting a good job, you're doing this and that. That was hammering me at a very young age. So yeah. I always knew I was going to college, but even then, and, and full disclosure, I, I went uh, summer of seventh grade going to eighth grade. Because they were also talking like, oh, if you want to skip high school, go right to college, you know. So I, they wanted me to take to see what was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to college, and the things that I was not good at in elementary school, junior high, high school, it didn't matter in college, you know, like it, attendance. And then like, there's, there's various aspects of it. Not, like not to say you shouldn't like attendance is not an issue because you actually should go to your college classes, but it was <laughs> not as heavily enforced. And it, the, the things it allowed me to kind of see how I learned differently because elementary school is a certain type of learning how you learn high school. A certain way, and where where if I would have skipped high school, I would have been like just a terrible human being, absolutely. Like, you know, but but at the same time, seeing how college worked gave me a good roadmap to the future. Like, okay, I'm working to try to get to where my classes are like that because college classes, it's really, really was the best way for me to learn. And I just had to realize that that was coming. And okay, I don't like it right now. I don't like it in junior high. I don't like it in high school, but where I'm going is, is a better way to learn. Like, I just have to do the, do the grunt work and get to that better way to learn. And I would never have actually seen that because I just would, would have just been that, like, I have to do it, I have to do it. But actually mm-hmm. seeing that was like, oh my God, it, it's a lot better. You know, I took, I took anthropology, I took chemistry that had a lab, like lab lab, we made aspirin, we made soap. So seeing that kind of real hands-on learning and stuff like at a young age was, it was really eye-putting. And, and again, it, it added to my transcript, of my transcript, where when I got to that college campus where I could learn how I like my ideal way of learning i could take whatever class i want you know i could that's why i became a philosophy major i came in as an engineer realized i'm a terrible engineer you know Mm -hmm. then I try to switch to business i'm bad at business and then all the other classes i was taking because i had all my ap classes done i had taken summer's classes at the college i you know i had enough credits where i could explore i found philosophy and realized okay they'll take anybody then i'm good to go i'm going there (laughs) and then that's what it was I, i i can't i can't vouch for this kind of program enough i mean in all aspects it it made me a better person and it was like a big turning point in my life because it felt special too you know like as a younger like seventh grade i mean that's actually it kind of turned me like kind of toxic in a way, too, because I'll come back like, oh, look who's taking college classes, summer or seventh grade. <laughs> you know But I learned to humble myself later on, too. That that comes as part of the process. <laughs> <laughs> that came as part of the process as well. So, you uh, learned to humble terms-
2: or someone
0: humbled you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how it always happens. You, 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 don't, you, you never check someone yourself. You, you, right get, you get yep. checked by someone else. You yep. never check yourself, hardly ever. So you, you get checked and, and you adjust, and, that, and that's how it goes. That's part of the process.
1: Yeah. Oh. Well, I just want to give a special shout-out to Blanca Waller. She's a process um a lot of the doing the majority of the doing enrollment paperwork and it's a it's a heavy lift and it's only getting like that much bigger you know what I mean yeah. I feel like Angelica's done an amazing job at growing that program and you know hate to say it, taking taken it from from Ashy to what classy <laughs> <laughs> she's taking it from Ashy to Classy <laughs>
2: Well, thank you, thank you Akilah. And yeah, Blanca is the true unsung hero here because she manually processes thousands upon thousands of forms and registrations. So, you know, we often do have a bottleneck because of that. So it's and, and part of it is, is that parents and students say, I completed that form it's not automatic, unfortunately. It is an online form, which is great. We've at least been able to get there, but we still have a long way to, to go to make things automatic, which we're hoping to do in the next year or so. But so in the meantime, what happens is when a student submits a form, Blanca still has to go in there and process each form. And if she doesn't have one piece of the puzzle, she has to stop and wait until that piece comes in and then she can process the form. And, you know, sometimes students and, and parents can get impatient with that. So it is a lot of, you know, our staff is fielding a lot of those calls and, um, from parents, um, which is why, we, you know, this uh, this year, what we did in April is we had a really, you know, I think successful event. So we have Vaquero Roundup, Hong, thank you so much for helping us you know get the website up and all those things up in place but it was a you know an event where we kind of advertised it as come and get all your steps done so that you can be ready to register for summer and be good to go when registration comes and people came so and they came in
0: yeah you're trying to be humble yourself talking about well you don't know if it was a success (laughs) that event was awesome just i just i just seen the pictures all the people with their parents and all the so many students that was that was awesome
2: yeah it was so eye-opening to see that we were really serving our community so Mm -hmm. we were serving the the community and, and the people that came were the ones that needed the help so we saw a lot of our Latino community that was here our parents I haven't spoken Spanish like that in a long time I was just My Spanglish came out Um, and it was just going from one person to the next. It was a constant trying to get students um, registered. We had over 400 students that completed an application on that day. So we had over 450 students that came. We had another additional 580 parents and, and, and siblings that were there. They got some tacos, they mingled. So it was like they completed one step and then we're like, go get some tacos and come back and come come do this. And so it was a really great event. We we just on the week of the event, we realistically were only thinking we were going to maybe have 150 people um, turned out to be a thousand but it was, it was good, it was good. And you know what, Dr. Murillo, shout out to Dr. Murillo who showed up and was working that line, trying to make sure that uh, students had their steps complete. We had everybody that just, it was an all hands on deck, Paloma Arnold. Um, and really this event could not have been possible without Chantel Marquez and Lisa Garcia. They, you know, made sure they're both type A personalities. So they're like, they planned for the plan for the plan. So although it was weighed and outrageous, they had backup plans and they were ready to go and everybody chipped in. We had our academic counselors that were like, put me in, coach, Let, let me help them with the application. Don't usually do that, but they knew that there was a need and it was it was awesome. It was really good. So you know we learned a lot from that event knowing that you know we definitely need to simmer down next time you know break it up in a few different events maybe have a junior high event we had a lot of junior high students that showed up and then also have a day that's just for high school students that was a highlight of the year just to see the engagement of the community it was awesome I'm still kind of on cloud nine over that so
1: well you know it's funny too I it really it hit me because well first of all it hit me when I looked out the window and I was like (laughs) i was like damn i'm like what going?" is i'm like it is cracking out there but when it really hit me was when i came home from work and you know i went on facebook and um all these people are posting about their kids like signing up like multiple people i know like that i went to high school with like yes i'm dating myself All the kids were like, yo, my son just signed up, my daughter just signed up, eighth grade, uh, we're taking college classes. You know, like, to me, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what community colleges should be about, is being in the community, uh, reaching uh, people who haven't been reached or touched ever or at all or quite some time. So that was refreshing in that sense. And then also from the point of view is like, I really believe this. I really believe that there's two things. One is like, I'll say this because, you know, I have a daughter that's in high school. Like you got to know your kid. If your kid is able to, to handle that load, you know, um, sometimes people get caught up with the Joneses and they want to do everything that everyone's doing all the time. And sometimes it's just not the right fit. So, but my daughter has taken dual enrollment classes one summer and she did, she had a great time doing that. It was online. But the other piece too is like, and this is a speaks to a broader conversation about I think what we do a disservice to our kids is like when you turn 18, the parents are like, okay, you either go to college or you get out the house. But the reality of it all is they haven't, we haven't really been preparing our kids to be adults. And so one of the, one of the ways I really believe this, that they get that experience is, is if they're capable and able to take dual enrollment classes. Because now you're in the classroom and you're in a space that isn't restricted like what Hong was alluded to earlier about the different types of learning. Now you're in the classroom with people who are are literally adults. And so you're gonna probably mature a little bit more uh, because you're in a space um, away from your parents and, and learning And trying to mature. So I think doing enrollment serves multiple purposes, other than just taking the class. It's like helping these kids to mature in the ways that they normally probably wouldn't normally do um, if they didn't take those classes.
3: Yeah,
0: and
1: definitely seeing that event as the
0: embodiment of of, of
1: empowering the community because you see, you know, when,
0: when you talk about, we talk about community, we, we're not talking about students, we're not talking about students, staff and faculty, you're talking about the families of those students and families of staff. I mean, You saw like multi-generational people, yeah. multi-generation showing up to help their kids sign up or just to be there because I, I do remember as a student myself, the hardest part was signing up. I had to go take a TB test. I'd never done that before. I'd have all these kind of verification. My mom doesn't speak English. She doesn't know what's going on. So I leaned on my sisters. I leaned on other people. And, and it was it was nothing. I never asked the school for anything. You know, like in hindsight, all the times throughout my entire educational career, the times I should have asked the school, then now the schools are thinking about this stuff that I never thought it, I thought it wasn't even an option. And just seeing the way you've you've looped in the high school counselors. You've got your own counsels, counselor set up on this side. You've looped in the community. The high schools work together. Like It's really nice seeing the way the program has evolved. I mean, from, from when I did it, you know, yeah, tw- over 25 years, 20 some odd years ago. <laughs> and uh, just seeing how it's evolved and how much more closely you're working with folks to try to streamline the process and make the process a little more, you know, a little easier for folks. I mean, that's that's just really cool, really cool to hear. And really cool is to know that folks have been bringing it up and, and, and your address trying to address the concerns. So, yeah. Well,
2: thank you. Thank Bravo. you. Bravo. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, community effort. It takes a village. Um, and, and we work very closely with the districts. Meet, we meet every week. We're really strengthening our partnership with them. Um, I have them on the speed dial if anything happens. We you know at the event we had, like you said, we had the high school and the junior high counselors there. We had our enrollment services team that was there. Um, you know, in addition to all these other groups, we invited, you know, the campus. We had Alondra there from the equity program. Like we were just like, whoever wants to come let's come let's showcase what what's available for students when they do step on the college campus so that they see that they're not alone hopefully they see someone that mirrors them and they they are like okay i can do this this is this is for me and i think um that's that's the direction that we definitely want to continue to move in
1: from Ashley to classy you heard it
0: y'all <laughs> <laughs> and, and to akil's point about learning to be a better adult like when I got after I was done with the class and I had my, my student ID, you know what the first thing I tried to do was go to liquor store and buy cigarettes with it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, and, dude, and you know what? This, and this is the era before California <laughs> was the yeah, thing. It worked yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it, it definitely worked. So uh, so it's one of those things, yeah. So, so, so yeah, don't don't try to do that anymore. It's not gonna work anymore. You but did CD you get ID. the
1: menthols, huh? Did you get the menthols?
0: <laughs> oh man, I was blowing it like it was a candy cigarette. You don't even gotta yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's a great program. I mean, all, all joking aside, all early, you know, so it's a great program. Very, I would, I, I can't vouch for it enough. I mean, I have no experience with with SBCs dealing robot, but I know getting folks into to just to, to see what college classes are like because there's so many aspects to to learning, and and maybe the you know elementary high school. If you think it might not be for you, that it's probably a piece of the college experience that is for you, and vice versa. It's and just. We def-
2: Definitely yeah. have seen that a lot of students have said, you know, the social aspect of high school is just not for them. But being serious about college is, or being serious about the classroom, having to not, you know, deal with all that noise of the social aspect. And, and students are successful in that way. So, you know, just providing that that need if that's that's where a, what a student needs.
0: Yeah. There's really room to get in where you fit in, where like, mm-hmm. you, like there are restaurants that the restaurants is like no modifications. You know, you can't, you know, the, yeah. how food is when it comes out. That's like elementary and high school. They're accounting for the community. They're they got to mm-hmm. they got to do things a certain way. I'm not begrudging them because that experience was was very important for me too in my growth. So it's it, it is it is how it is. But you get a lot more choice to have it your way in college for sure. And and yeah. seeing that for the first time can be an eye opener and, and I'm sure a profound moment for a lot of folks. You saw the happiness on their faces at the enrollment event. They know what the potential there is and, and, and the fact that you're just helping to maximize i mean it's, it's a good position to be in as much work as you do and as hard as you work we know we know how is grinding like we, we we see it in the office all the time so i mean it, to see it pay off like that that's got to feel good it, you know like
1: yeah hey listen you don't win the administrative of the year
3: oh no 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 <laughs> you don't
1: win the administrative of the year without putting work in so we got to give a special shout out to to angelica for uh, this year for winning the uh the administrative year award it's so rightly rightly uh deserved and you know it, it's been a great ride with her I mean I remember I've been in missions and records for a while now and I remember how the department was prior to her arrival and then and I know what it's like now and it's literally like 180. She took it from Ashley <laughs> to class
2: <laughs>
1: so we appreciate you for that. Thank you
2: Akil yeah i I, I don't like talking about myself. I don't take <laughs> compliments very well, ask my husband. Um, but I mean, to win the administrator year after such a hard few years um, was very emotional and rewarding just as just to see that my colleagues respect the work that I'm doing and they see the work that I'm doing is just, wow. Yeah, that was um, pretty nice. Pretty nice. So yeah. yeah.
0: You're feeling the love from the community. I'm You're feeling the, the love from your all colleagues. Yeah. You're feeling, I mean, yeah, not a, not a bad place to be. <laughs> Segue into our next section. Um, what brought you to SBCC? What was your path like from, from the area or... I mean, what, Yeah,
2: so I'm a local. Yeah. I'm born and raised Santa Barbara Cottage Hospital here just down the road. I actually grew up pretty close to SBCC um, here on the Mesa. My mom was a single mom raising eight kids. And Ooh. yeah, it was not easy. So I have, I have some siblings that are about 10 years older than me, and then I have some younger siblings as well, and my, my sister, who's 10 years older than me, is actually the first person that introduced me to SBCC, and I think I was about nine eight, nine or so when um, she started her college career here at SBCC, really more so being interested in the social aspect of college. So she was really into Mecha. She was really into the Chicano movement. And so she would bring me tagging along with her because she had to watch her younger sister. So I got to attend many events with her here. And for me, that was like the whoa factor. Like wow, look at these students, so passionate about learning, so passionate about their cultura, and that was my f- very first experience here. And when I say that school saved me, that's that's a real thing. I didn't have the easiest childhood. I, you know, my, my siblings were in and out of jail. There was not a lot of stability growing up. And so for me, I always knew that school was my path in And thankfully I did, because that's not always the path for everybody. So, you know, people, it's not always easy to see that early on. And, and, and I did for whatever reason, I was just like, I got to go keep, keep pushing forward, going to college. And so it, it was, it was tough. And then, you know, once I was ready to graduate high school, I mean, I, I went I applied to college, got into some great universities. I got into Berkeley, I got into TCLA, I got a TCSD, and I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. And I didn't have the money to pay for it. I didn't have the family stability to say, here, you know, let's go to college and, and we'll help you. That, that just wasn't there. And the, the talk about financial aid and the pathways that we're talking about, I didn't have uh, someone that looked like me saying, this is the way in. I think that's why I feel so strongly about kind of the Stone enrollment community college. Because I, if I had that, maybe my path would be a little different. I love the path that I'm on, but maybe it would have been a little bit different. So because of that, I, I, I didn't go away to college. Instead, I came to SPCC, which was the greatest gift, got into the EOPS program, got a family there that was just an amazing family that that you know lifted me up provided me the tools that I needed to be successful tutoring I became a peer mentor there and then I actually applied and worked at, at as, in admissions so back in 2002 I think it was I was a student worker here working for Blanca so Blanca I was Blanca's student worker she was giving me tasks to do along with others of course with Aida was here at the time and Michael, yeah, I was my, here. I was but here Atil too. was there, and and yeah, I was a student worker, and I worked as a student worker under Allison, Allison Canning at that time, and um, she was one of those other kind of role models that I I saw like this lady is a hard worker and she gets things done, and that's. That's what I like. <laughs> and so I kind of saw that that was a pathway and I always really just liked helping students learn about college. So as in, when I got really close to Dave Morley in EOPS, who was a counselor back then, and so I asked him if I could shadow him, if I could intern with him. And so I did as a student, I interned with Dave Morley, sat in on some um, advising sessions. I thought I was gonna be counselor. I was like, okay, I like like helping students. I know this is what I wanna do, continue to work in, in admissions. When I graduated SBCC, I actually went to UCSB. So I transferred to UCSB and I stayed working in admissions during that time. So I was back in admissions when we were registering students with a pink little card and they would write down their first choice, second choice. By the time they got up to the front of the line, was that class still open or not? There was no online registration. It was, we were doing things by hand manually on our own. So it was a good times to, to be here. And I never I never really left. Uh, I feel like, you know, and then I graduated UCSB, started my family, and then I came back to work actually in dual enrollment to think that was, maybe 2005, 2006, Um, I was an hourly worker for dual enrollment at that time. So I was helping their program. And then then I went off to UCSB to work full-time. And then I was like, okay, I need to get a full-time job now. So I worked at UCSB for for seven years and I I worked for some great programs there. I was in statistics and applied probability as an advisor. So I, I got a really good foundation of working with students but it still wasn't what I wanted to do because at that point, students already knew what they wanted. They were already on their path. And I I just didn't find the fulfillment and the full joy in that. And so then I moved to a different program within the College of Letters and Science. I I worked as a um, coordinator of undergraduate research and um, some ERCA grants. So some grants for students that they would apply to. But again, that was helping students that had higher GPAs, but knew what they wanted to do, which was great, great. I mean, I wouldn't give that up for anything, but it's still, I was yearning for something else. And what that was, was coming back to SBCC. So I, I did, I took a leap. I applied for at SBCC. Allison interviewed me and others. I think kill might've been on that, that, <laughs> that, that panel, actually. Um,
1: no, and you- I came... What panel I was on for? I'll I'll let you finish.
2: Okay. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, No, I wasn't on that panel.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then then I came back and I worked in um, the transcript evaluation office for several years there. And then um, I just kind of kept making my own path. I I moved up as a, a lead transcript analyst. I'm still staying connected to admissions and records, so I'm still connected to admissions. Um, A position for a supervisor came up in admissions, and... Yes, it did. (laughs) And, which was, I, you know, I got a lot of support from admissions and records, a lot of support from admissions, at encouraging me to apply for the position, which is, like, the best situation to be in, to know that that, you know, your, your colleagues respect you and are saying, we really see you here, makes it so easy to move into a new position. So when I came into the position, of course I knew everybody, I knew my colleagues. And so when I, I sat down with them, they just, they, I think they see the work ethic and they work hard. I mean, our admission staff is really the backbone of the college. They, without us, there is no registration, there is no grades. We do everything from A through Z. Can and- you Can you just
1: repeat that one more time for the listeners out there? <laughs> I, just want the, I, just, I just want the listeners to hear that. <laughs>
2: We really are. Admissions and records is the backbone of the college. We really make the college go round. And I say that in all, you know, honesty, that we we work our butts off. Like we really do. And it, it comes to us from all angles. So we are with the students, the parents, the faculty, administrators, like all angles come at us and we there's decisions that need to be made we and, and unfortunately sometimes we're not always the the most liked people because unfortunately we have to deal with policy and regulations that we have to follow we we do you know and so sometimes people don't like that. And unfortunately, it's just the way that our office runs is we have to be, we have to ensure that we're, you know, that quality control of our, our, our college is being um, looked after essentially. So so yeah, that, that so then I, you know, I came into the supervisor position and then it kept wiggling up um, to the assistant director of admissions. And I uh, did that for a few years. Um, again, just I've always had people on this campus that have looked out for me. Michael Medell has been amazing as, um, as a leader for, for our campus and for our department. So he's been very supportive. He's a great teacher. And he's helped me l- learn and grow. Um, and he gives, he gives me a lot of flexibility to, to, to learn and grow, which has been really, really refreshing for me. Um, and so, yeah, so then, um, you know, Michael Modell moved on to uh, help in another area. So I was asked to help, oh, well, I guess before then, I was asked to help a dual enrollment office, you know, back in twenty December 2020 or so. So I've been overseeing dual enrollment since about December 2020, officially since January 2021. And then when Michael Modell moved over to um, the dean position back in August, September, I moved into the director position of, of admission. So that's kind of where I am right now. Uh, you know, full circle. I started at the bottom. Now I'm here, guys. Like she Look said. That. <laughs> I
1: want to give a special shout out to Michael, too, because I think you hit it on the head. Michael's one of those dudes that people don't – he doesn't move loudly. Like he's always in the back, in the – like you know, like in the corner, like really supporting people and believing and mentoring and teaching people. But he's not always front and center with it. So I I think like that's even worth mentioning because he's done a lot of good things for me. Um, and and I think he does a lot. I see a lot of people in his office. Uh, that's the good thing about where I sit. Sometimes I see people walking back. I'm like, oh, so-and-so, is,
3: <laughs> so-and-so
1: went to go see the Angelica today. Okay, mm-hmm. they've been there for 45 mm-hmm. minutes What what they're talking about. So again, it's just certain people like move you know, different. Like, you know what I mean? Building rapport and mentoring people, and, and Angelica, you're great at that too. Is just getting people to kind of buy in and 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 really, you know, groom them. You know, in a lot of ways. So, I, you know, I just want I had to say that as real quick, how to get that in, but it's true. It's absolutely true.
2: And, and I hope I do it with tact. You know, sometimes I, I encourage people to to do more and go to school. And I, I don't want to see them here forever. Um, you know, I, I do want my staff to grow. I do try and encourage my staff to, you know, do personal enrichment things, professional development, things like that. So that, that brings me joy to see that others, uh, you know, are also moving forward.
0: And the backbone analogy is, is good because You know, you talk about the the body as a whole. Everyone wants to be the hands. Everyone wants to be the brain. Everyone wants to be the heart. No one wants to deal with the paperwork at the backbone. You know, like, (laughs) no no one wants to, I mean, they want to, they want to like change students' lives and all this. That no one wants to mess with the paperwork. No one wants to verify that everything's accurate and correct. Somebody's got to do that work and hold everything up. You know, so you're the support structure, you hold everything up. I mean, in both ways. Sometimes people are like, "Why are you holding me up?" It's been three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but there's always a reason, and it's a good one because you, I mean, the, like you said, this college would not move. I mean, they made movies about paperwork. Brazil is a great film about paperwork, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's true. You you, you get, your ducks got to be in a row. Your records have to be clean. You know, like your and 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 if they're not, they it will help you. So it's not like as long as they're leaving you out in the cold. Then, I mean, you're you're helping everyone get to where they need to be. But yeah, that process. I mean, just the nature of paperwork, it's gonna be. It's going to be gnarly sometimes. So, yeah.
1: I think the cha- most challenging things about paperwork and I and, and what's been my experience working at City College is how certain people navigate their space. They expect you to navigate your space in that same way. And it's like, no, I got. we have different policies and procedures that oversee us. So, therefore, our paperwork has to look like this. While you may submit your paperwork or not really care or like that can't fly in a mission and records like everything needs to be signed uh dated all of that and so that to me is is, is always interesting because I'm like okay homie like you may not want to sign off on that but you can't give that to me so I can keep in my record because if we get audited and they pull that paperwork like it's kind of like one of those things it's like look like if, if it was just you that's cool but we got policies that dictate how we should be taking in paperwork and people yeah. have our time really understanding that
2: yeah and you know so, it's, it's so if you
1: sign it says that needs to means it needs to be signed
2: yeah <laughs> otherwise it's going to go back
1: exactly and that
0: is where the delay happens you know you yes. do when when something comes back so like they ever say measure twice cut once paperwork yep. is absolutely measure twice cut once and uh-huh. if it's not then it's you like people are always like what what's the hold up there's always a reason and they might just not might not want to share that with you because they might be you know like Mm -hmm. yeah because yeah when you see how the sauce is made usually someone messed up and it got sent back but but you know uh, (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, and and a lot of that comes with experience so kill does a great job of navigating that and, and making sure that you know he's you know letting them whoever it is students faculty um know you know this is can't get it done until this is this is complete and so there's a lot of that it takes a lot of patience and right now it's definitely going to be the busy time i can see those incompletes rolling in for a kill yeah, I know. uh great <laughs> grades are due next week so we're we're coming into the busy time right now and then we have summer registration that just starts that next day so uh, some, uh summer school starts already so we're we're coming into very busy time for our office for, for dual enrollment and for admissions and records. A lot of those deadlines are just kind of coinciding right now.
0: Oh, yeah. Commencement and then.
2: And yep, yeah, commencement. <laughs> and then it just, it's just never ending. Um, <laughs> definitely.
0: So, segueing into our next section, good eating. Any memorable food you ate growing up, a restaurant you've been to recently, something you love to cook, anything under the sun dealing with food, if you want to kick us off, Angelica, we're we're happy to hear about it.
2: Yeah, so, you know, talking about my mom, so my mom raised eight kids um, who were all on different paths, (laughs) but something that always brought us together was my mom's cooking, and so, and not only us, but our, our little community, so we did grow up in a little housing area here on the Mesa, and so my mom was known for her cooking. And when it was mama's time to cook, people were at the door. So (laughs) she, she would, um, and she loved it. It was part of who she was. She was very um, giving in that way. That was her love language was to cook and to see smiles on people's face. So, and and one of those favorites was sopis Oh she, oh, she did man. them. And of course I helped, um, even at a young age, making those tortillas to make the sopes and uh, getting my fingers burned as I'm making my little corners. Um, <laughs> And then she just did some like braised meat that was just cooked for hours. It was you could just lick your fingers. It was delicious. And some, and she would make fresh queso. So she would make her own queso in at home. We would have the cheese, little things hanging outside, dripping down all the cheese. Oh my gosh. It was, you could just eat that with one of her homemade tortillas and it was just um. I I could never recreate it. I've tried. um, so my mom did pass away seven years ago. And so there's a lot of, of her cooking that I miss and I've tried, and she did teach me some things before she passed. I was pretty much the only one that was always in the kitchen with her. Um, and I, and I think I get a lot of that from her. That's also my love language is kind of cooking and, and, and feeding people and having people over. And it just, it makes me very happy. So yeah, sopes was her thing, um, queso fresco, enchiladas, she would make home, everything was homemade from scratch, enchiladas, pozole, I met my husband at a very young age, um, so we actually met in seventh grade, shout out to Cumbre Junior High, theater arts,
0: <laughs> theater arts, nice,
2: theater arts, <laughs> we met and, uh he he was a funny guy so i don't know if you guys know the pipersbergs here in town so candace pipersberg yeah um, i do with, her and i would take the bus home together and my my husband and her were close so he asked her can you get her number for me this was you know when we still had cords on our phones. And so um, I, I eventually I kept saying no. And then eventually I gave in and gave gave her my number to share with him. And that's how our romance started. We would be on the phone for hours. And, you know, thanks to Candace, and I've told her many times. And, and so my husband, you know, got to, to be around my mom at a young age. And uh, my mom really loved him. My mom loved Joseph she and she loved to cook for him. So anything he wanted he got. so he he definitely has some good food memories with my mom as well, like bringing all of us together. and if he, my husband's a big football fan, so he would um you know coordinate his f- football watching in my my living room, and my mom would cook for him, which means I would too. So you know, just at a young age we were always hanging out. yeah, just you know we we would I, I was kind of cautious of him because I was a very cautious kid. So our first date was at a church. So it was- whoa, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I was like, I was like if you want to hang, out, we're going to church together. And I wasn't super religious, but I was an altar girl growing up. So, um, so we met there at the Holy Cross here on the Mesa, and that's an yeah.
1: old school. That's an old school love, man. Oh yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. You asking for a
0: phone number back in those days? Was, I mean, that was that was a big step. You know, yeah. people talk about fear rejection today. That, that fear rejection was like like eight. <laughs> 9 level 9000 then yeah
2: i mean he would make me mixtapes we Mm -hmm. i moved to my dad's in la for a few years and we would write letters to each other um so it's it's that good you know
1: that 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 old old school school love love, i mean
2: yeah. And, like and, and, trapper I,
0: keepers are white kids, dude. <laughs> yeah. Art, the thing, the things Art LeBeau dedications are made of, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And that, yeah, That
2: was part of my childhood, Art LeBeau, definitely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so are you allowed to divulge your uh, Masa plug or is that like a family secret? Are you allowed to say where you get your Masa from for so long? Um,
2: well, now I used to get it at La Corteca, mm. but they no longer, they no longer do that. So now I just get it at, um, I try and make it myself. Or I'll get it at um, La Rosa.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
2: so that's, that's, that's my go-to. I haven't done it in a while. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And
1: I'm going to put you on blast real quick, Angelica. Oh, and I'm going to let the listeners know, like she makes a mean buffalo chicken dip, dip dude <laughs> like we we have potlucks and i'll be like i remember one time I, like i was i got busy and then i went back and it was gone i was like heated dude <laughs> i was like man i don't even want to talk bad about my co-workers on the show but they did me dirty man it was gone and i was like i, had, I felt some kind of way about it but <laughs> so just fyi if you guys are you know like, man, next time we potluck in, that has to be on the list. A yeah, we, we chicken.
2: We haven't
1: done that in a while. We've done yeah. some really good potlucks. Our nacho yeah. potlucks.
2: Yeah. Hot dogs, nachos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, a
0: bu- buffalo chicken dip is it uh, like the to dip your chicken in, or is there chicken?
2: There's, and buffalo- chick- there's chicken, buffalo sauce in it, the Frank's oh. Frank's buffalo sauce, cream cheese. Oh, um,
1: <laughs> oh, ch- yeah. cheddar cheese, wow. sharp
2: cheddar. Hum, sharp you, know I cheddar I there. Pl-
1: you know, I don't play Hong, dude. You know, <laughs> I don't play. Man. Oh, no, if I tell you it's good. <laughs> you know, it's good. Oh, yeah, that yeah.
2: uh, that's that's the jam. Yeah, I get that request a lot. Blanc- it's Blanca's favorite. So, is it
0: being it's, ser- it's served in a crock pot or something, right? Yeah, there's no way that thing is staying. Dippable for
1: any, yeah, it's like the nacho <laughs> thing where you got to have it in the Crock-Pot or something. Man, oh, that sounds amazing. You know, the Crock-Pot, dude, that's the go-to, man. <laughs> that's like the old school love, the Crock-Pot, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Even my mom couldn't help but be like, what? I can leave it on all day. Don't mm-hmm.
1: even have to look at it. And it
0: keeps things warm and cooking. Yeah, so, like, you get home and it's magically soup, yeah.
3: done. Yeah. Certain, <laughs> certain soups and
0: certain soups and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're making, she makes lotus root soup and, like, she got to have the crock because, like, it just, like, you can just put it in the corner and forget it, so.
2: But. Do you guys have an air fryer? So I just recently got introduced to the air fryer world, and it's also a game changer.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, oh my goodness, I had no idea. So my husband just got me an air fryer because uh, I've kind of been hinting it here and there a lot. And did and you so, know?
0: Did you know when you were hinting about it? Did you know it was going to be that no, good? No, I don't okay.
2: think. No, I didn't. You just
0: kind of were curious, and then it blew your mind. Because yeah, I hear nothing but good things. But yeah, no. I, yeah, I, 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 and I
2: he do. got me this nice one that's also a grill air fryer. That's why, uh, yeah. So I made some chicken the other day in it, and it the flavor just stayed. It was juicy. I was able to cook my whole meal um, in it in twenty minutes. I was like, what? When did I not? Why did (laughs) I not know this? Where has? (laughs) And I mean, my life is pretty busy right now with work. So anything to save time and to to be sure we're cooking at home, I'm like, oh yes, the air fryer. You know,
1: it's good. You have to try the air fryer. Uh, A sign of getting old is kitchen appliances right that's my mark when you get a new vacuum when you get a new little air fryer <laughs> grill a little vitamix you got mm-hmm. william and sonoma dude, like that's a sign of yeah you're definitely getting up there in age but you gotta cook salmon in the air fryer roxanne makes this one dish where she just salt and pepper a little bit of seasoning throws it in seven minutes later y'all just moist salmon you're like
2: dang seven minutes to that's what yeah. I'm talking about. I'm accepting
1: recipes, so send them Yeah, away. I'll send. Yeah. It your, I'll definitely
0: <laughs> send it your way. We got an air fryer, and then we decided to give it to my wife's grandma because she really needed one, and because oh. it, it was so mm-hmm. convenient. So I've never had one in the house, but then all my friends are like, "Why did you do that? You won't <laughs> believe what I make!" And everyone's got a different thing. Yeah. Everybody's got a different thing. Yeah. I'll throw one person, one homie, throws chicken wings in there. One mm-hmm. homie does uh, a fish. One homie just does frozen fries from the. And they're all like, "It's incredible! You won't believe!" And I'm always looking at my wife's grandma like please give me back because i'm not i'm not taking it back you know i'm not gonna be like <laughs> hey can i have it back but if she's ever like you know i don't really use it you want it back that's what i'm waiting oh, for i yeah. mean i should just i should just buy another one but at this point I, i've been I, i've held down for so long that i'll wait a little bit longer right. <laughs> hey.
2: everything is so crispy outside and so moist and good mm-hmm. inside and
0: they always cook through like there's no because yeah. The, yeah the other the other thing everyone told me to buy was an instant pot and i bought an instant pot and, and yes it's nice but I use it maybe like once every three months, mm-hmm. you know, one, mm-hmm. like a like couple times a year. Like, I, like I'm like i not using it all the time where the air fryer sounds like I would use it all the time, you know? So I, yeah. I definitely need to get back on that train.
1: So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Food is my joy. So I, I, I we, and we do eat out a lot, which is why I'm glad we got the air fryer. I'm trying to cook at home more. like, it's expensive eating out. The family of four. Ooh. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's a lot. So, it you know? is. And my kids like expensive things. They like sushi (laughs) and the good steaks. Uh, Like, we'll go, and my son is like, I'll take steak and eggs. And I'm like, Excuse me? Oh <laughs> um, yeah. What happened, so, to, what happened
1: to Captain Crunch in the morning? I know. Not, that does not exist in our
2: household. <laughs> These kids are, are spoiled. Like this morning they got French toast every morning. I try and make Ooh. them a, a warm meal. Again, food is my love language. So I make them a warm meal in the morning. They get sausage, bacon, eggs in the morning. They're they're kind of spoiled. Um, because I don't know what they eat at school for lunch. Like I can't be there to see it and control it. So I my my mind just says I need to make sure that I know what they're eating for breakfast and it's very rare that they'll ever have cereal for breakfast like I must I have to be either not feeling well or in a rush I woke up late um, but usually not that my kids get get fed pretty well spoiled little kids but they're good kids <laughs> they're good kids
1: yeah the apple the apple didn't fall fall from the tree <laughs> you sound like you, you, just you telling me made me think about you talking about your mom right now so yeah you could tell the apple didn't fall far. And and food is a love language. It's really something that that just just
0: speaks to everyone. Because I you know my mom was so enclosed. You know, working in a sweatshop basically garment they call it garment factory, but you know, paid by the piece, working all day. But she would stop two times a day to make lunch and to make dinner. Yeah. And then if she if she looked at the floor and said, "This is dirty," I need to mop the whole floor. Like, what are you doing, mom? You need to rest. <laughs> never never rest. Yeah. Uh, but 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 every about two square meals a day, she would make lunch, make dinner. She'd always be cooking. So it's, it's just, just one of those things where you, you get in where you fit in, you know what you do well and you do it and you serve and serve the community. Like we talk about, you know, with, with what we do at SPCC, mm-hmm. that, that cook and serves the community in many ways as well. So, Definitely.
1: Thank you. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Uh, you want to go, Gil? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll throw it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, okay. still, I'm still keeping with my AAPI month. Uh, so I'm going to go auction art, the collections, uh, a place called Love Fuh is is it fuh or foe? I call it fuh, but I would I go know. with fuh, fuh, I mean, faux or
0: fa is 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 the closest, but I would go with fuh because it, it's yeah, that's just the, the pronunciation
1: of it in terms right. of it to me. But but foe is like more phonetic when you look at the word. So yeah, either way. So this spot is like right when you walk into the annex. It's on the right hand side. <laughs> well, it depends on where you walk in, but the main entrance. Um, when you walk in the main entrance, it's on your right hand side kind of a just a small little quaint Vietnamese restaurant that does uh, pho really well uh does you know the shrimp fried rice really well Mm. the fried chicken wings really well but I usually go with my go-to lately has been the the ph3 which is like a spicy pho so it's already seasoned and it's already like really really good I always uh, that's where I lean uh, in on and then uh, wifey usually leans in on the shrimp fried rice so just really good food and it's really reasonably priced it's not gonna like you can eat probably two of you guys for under 50 bucks and then this one good thing about this restaurant one secret thing about this restaurant that a lot of people don't know is the boba is actually amazing there's a boba t- Shop in the collections and the boba Iron. time. Yeah, the boba time. This place is better than boba time, but oh. people just don't go to. Well, sometimes younger kids will come in those order the boba, but the boba is really good. So that's the little sneaky plug about. It's called uh, love. Pho. But that's my pick for this week. I was just at the collection on Saturday. Driving back from LA, we stopped
0: there to, to just. And you know, people talk about malls are dead. This and that. You go to the collection on a Saturday night. That place is insane. Like oh. it was, it was unbelievable how many people were
1: there. I, I can, yeah, it's cracking in Oxnard down there. Yeah, you know
2: that's the place to be.
1: But Oxnard has a history of that, though. Back in the day, yeah. like Saviors and everyone, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. it just there's something about that community. They're really into being out in, in community, and, and it's great. And yeah. I remember when the collection sat empty for like years during like the the big old housing recession, and 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 they stopped building and then all of a sudden they started back again and it's just it's just cracking down there yeah it's, it's nice you
0: mentioned saviors because you know you can cruise saviors and people do cruise the collection they yeah. run that little circuit <laughs> yeah i mean you're doing, yeah. it, looking you're doing <laughs> it looking for parking but like hey you might as well bring the nice whip and make sure you're bumping something good so yeah yeah yep. i was awesome. like just i was just shocked because I'm, I'm a mall kid i grew up going to the mall loving every second of being the mall and then the outdoor promenades like old town pasadena third street like that was that was heaven just like mm-hmm. getting new clothes, putting uh-huh. on something crisp, rocking around, like saying what's up to people, like that. Collect that, that was what I saw at the collection. It was it was pretty pretty cool to see because everywhere you hear about malls dead, I'm like I don't know what they did here, urban planning wise, or how they
1: how they researched this, but they hit it on the head. Like they nailed that thing out of the park. No, but most people don't know about Oxnard is the mall used to be where that whole Nordstrom rack it, Esplanade. It, it
2: was called the Esplanade. Yeah, yeah, it was called the Esplanade. Uh-oh.
1: I I I, I I used to go to get my cross colors there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's people that are from this community know like that mall was like the spot back in the day you know they tore it down and then they built what they built there that's there now and then now the collections is the the new thing the new uh, place to be so
2: yeah, I, I grew up in LA for a few years. I was there from eighth grade until junior year. And it's so true that you, you were, if you lived in LA, you were a mall rat. I even worked yep. at a, at a clothing store in high school. I was at the, I was at the Sparrows getting my pizza after school, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what, what
0: was your mall? What was your go-to mall during that time? Like,
2: it where did you was go um, either Cerritos mall.
3: Oh
0: yeah.
2: Or uh, the fancier mall was Delamo Mall. That's like when we really you know wanted to get fancy. And then the other one was oh, what's the mall that's in the one that I would go to all the time? Uh, Santa no, not Santa Fe Springs. Um, Santa.
0: Anita, it's, in right? it's in Downey. It's in Downey. Oh okay.
2: Uh, I can't think of the name of it. The Downey Mall,
0: maybe that. But the Delamo Fashion, yeah, they call yeah. it the Delamo Fashion Plaza or whatever mm-hmm. Fashion Center because it was, yeah,
2: that was oh, that yeah. was a big one. But Cerritos Mall, we were there all the time just hanging out or the mall, just right there by the house. I'm right near Downey. And now that place is so different. It's everything looks so, and I go back now because my brother still lives in LA. Um, and my parents do actually, my, my dad and my, my bonus mom live in LA still. So I, I get to go over there often. And it's the, the outside of the mall, I feel like is what's now come up. The mall itself is kind of still, you know, kind of trying to keep alive, but everything on the outskirts, the outside type malls are the ones that are really doing well over there.
0: Oh, yeah. Shout out to, shout out to the collection. Shout out to all the all, all <laughs> yeah. people giving kids hey. something to do. With hey. these times. Yeah, Shout oh, yeah. out to Fox Hill Mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: yeah.
0: Baldwin Hills Crenshaw always had the good food. I mean, yeah. And then on the east side, we had we had the Santa Anita Mall, Montebello Mall. Oh Yeah, That's, that was all over the place. But, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Akil. Um, My pick was in Oxnard as well. It's another. It's just a fisherman's catch. It's over. I don't even know where. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's over by the harbor side, by the on the water. Um, I have a couple friends. They're they, they're from. L- I mean, they're not from L.A. They're from Arizona. Moved out to L.A. to get a job, and uh, they were sound guys. And they I they were I was their first boss when I was at Activision. You know, do video games. So I was their first boss. Show them the ropes, whatever, whatever. But you know, we stayed in touch over the years. They they would, in L.A. They have 17 years this year. So, but that was their spot. They told me about it, Fisherman's yeah. Catch, and it's, you know, it's just one of those like fried seafood, grilled mm-hmm. and fried seafood. It's 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 just like you know, all the all the spots by the beach have one of those seafood yeah. spots. You can get fried shrimp, fried scallops, fried fish with with better fries, grilled salmon, mahi mahi, all that stuff. So that's. I mean, they found that spot driving up the one when they were exploring, you know, California because they were, you know, new to the area and they've always liked it. And so when I moved to Santa Barbara after I left, I I would always meet them there every now and then. So recently just met them there for the last time because they're moving back to Arizona because they got okay to do remote work. You know, in video games, remote work is very rare. So the fact that they got approved means they're doing good work. So, yeah, just uh, so the fisherman's catch is it's. It's good food. It's not like amazing, unbelievable, but it's, it's solid. And then uh, just just the memories of, of seeing them all the time there and, and happy for them because, yeah, I, I was there when they were testers, like willing to give up. Like, we're making no money. We're not going to get into audio. Audio. This is not going to do anything. It's like, hang on. You know, you got to play the long game. And they play the long game. And now one's a senior sound designer. Other one's doing sound design. They, they work on all the Call of Duty games, so all the kids know Call of Duty I mean, it, it, a Staples, a, they're the Staples brothers. I call them the Staples brothers, but a Staples brother has touched the sound files in your Call of Duty game. And yeah, it's something where like they they were testers for a long time and then they got hired and they slowly moved up, taking them 17 years, but they finally got where they needed, where they where they were supposed to go. And, you know, like the long game paid off. And so when I think about that, I, you know, I think Fisherman's Catch, like I, it's just a bunch of fried seafood. It's it's going to, it'll be fine. But yeah, yeah, for me, it's more the memories, it's just chilling with them and just like, yeah, that kind of thing. So. But I'll put a link in the show. That's also where the Dave's Hot Chicken is now. That area, Keel, is over there, off, off, off of that. Oh service. yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah, go? yeah. I Shoot. didn't go to Dave's because it was like it was like ten minutes away, and it's, yeah. But I want to go because I've been in the I've been to Dave's before. I need chicken on a bone. You can't call it hot chicken. <laughs> Just call it hot chicken strips. I need a bone somewhere. You know, there's no bone in that chicken, but it's still good. It's very good.
1: But yeah, it, it yeah, I bone. agree.
0: Wings? Hey, in you- order of wings? I don't know, but I need something on a bone. No, but hold up. Do you put vinegar on your fish and chips? Not always. I, okay. I mean, I'm a, I'm a tartar sauce junkie, but I do like the vinegar. I do. Okay. I, I will do vinegar every now and then. Yeah. All right. All I'm right. not like against it. It's just like I'm such a tartar sauce junkie that I was like, and like yeah. yeah by then, it's yeah. Like, just. Ooh, I make after a good a
2: homemade tartar sauce. We just had fish, uh, fish tacos the other night. So good. Ranch dressing, pickles, pickle juice. Oh. It's, and it's um, not
3: it's,
0: its not like a sweet relish, right? You can use just regular pickles, or is it? I just use
2: regular pickles. I see. I okay. can dice them up, nice and slow. It just—it makes that fish taco.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: It elevates it to another level.
1: Hey, I got a couple of mason jars over here. <laughs> you know, I'm on campus Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
0: <laughs> yeah, tartar sauce for the fried fish, uh, cocktail sauce for the fried shrimp. I'm pretty basic in that regard, but it—it it, it gets the job done. So. All right, moving along to higher learning, our culture piece. Angelica, if you want to kick us off again, movies, music, TV, books, film, video games, anything that has moved you now or in your past that you want to just kind of share with the audience and, and, and hip somebody up possibly on, let it rip. I think
2: I came prepared for this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anything on your mind recently? You know, anything yeah. you've seen? Like, do you watch read? You anything
1: on Netflix or? Let's
2: see. Um, yeah, I do a lot of Spanish shows. So, Mojica. Mm-hmm. So do, have you guys seen monarca yet?
0: I haven't that I've heard about it though a
2: good a good show um I, I, I guess I kind of like the Narcos shows maybe because my family's from Mexico and it's kind of you know if you know we, we do make the the trip to to Mexico quite often um so looking at that world is really intrigues me so watching um, Narcos, uh apparently there's like a family member of ours who's who's in there um <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, them, but uh, you know, somewhere from behind, but Monarca is also a really good one. Um, just anything that, that's Spanish related. I grew up watching novelas. So I watched a lot of the Thalia novelas. Um, uh, which ones did she do? She did um, like, um, or or what's her name? Um, also like Reina del Sur, um, those types of novelas. Um, also, oh, like the Marias, Maria la del Barrio, Marimar, um, Dos Mujeres, Un Camino was a big one. So two ladies, one man that they're fighting for. They were all, you know, part of, <laughs> part of my childhood. It's all the same premise, the same drama. You, you can catch up. You can watch one show once a week and you, you'll be caught up on the shows. But that was kind of going around in, in, in my childhood, is watching the novelas um
0: and they end as well right all the, all the novellas eventually end which is I, they I think end a big, but
2: they're long it's an investment
0: but it's a big difference from a soap opera soap opera just first hit for free i'll yeah. see you i'll see you 30 years and you'll still be following the same people you know like that's i need true, that, that end. i need that ending i really i
3: mean and <laughs> hey,
0: they still they're young and the restless is still going oh I I, I, yeah so like yeah days of our lives and one life so everyone's like oh yeah novellas are just like soap operas I'm like no soap operas don't end i I, <laughs> I need some i need some fine i need some closure you know like yeah, yeah. like that, that's a toxic relationship when you're in a relationship with no closure you know so
2: <laughs> agreed agreed
0: and and yeah. i used, i remember watching a lot of novellas trying to get my spanish better so i watched soul and stuff but oh yeah it, it, it uh-huh. was too it's still too fast like subtitles <laughs> the saip button or whatever didn't didn't really exist so i couldn't follow like that was the easiest way for me to learn to be to follow along with subtitles but mm-hmm. subtitling was just not where it was so i, I go back sometimes now and try to try to stay up but yeah it's it's yeah. the
2: funny thing is is that my dad still watches the novella so he'll come to visit and it's like his eight o'clock time he has to be ready he's like no we got to go on our walk before eight o'clock eat dinner <laughs> we have to make it for the novella i'm like dad you know that you can record it now right <laughs> it's okay he's like no no i have to watch it when it comes on and it's, yeah it's, it's funny yeah. yeah he's he's in mexico right now i kind of have a, a my, my parents my dad and my my step-mom are in, um, mexico for mother's day and stuff they have a, a nice little house over there a little their little village where my dad grew up so um he's still watching his novellas he found a way so <laughs> novellas are definitely part part of our, our livelihood over here <laughs>
0: yeah and my mom definitely would watch Cantonese soap operas I remember while she was eating lunch like she would cook mm-hmm. lunch and then while she was eating that was a thing like 11 30 12 there was an afternoon one she do that, and then she listened to news radio while she was working. But that, like the, the things you take breaks for, it's funny because the things mm-hmm. that I would tell my mom to prioritize, things I want her to do, it's yeah. like nope, I'll, I'll make you lunch, dinner, and I'll watch this TV for forty five minutes a day, and then I'll work. And i like, that's all I need. And so mm-hmm. I mean, that was really a driving, like yeah. So those are good picks because, and even Narcos, like that, that culture when you to get to see, peek behind the curtain, so to speak, because mm-hmm. it, it is part of like day-to-day life like even grow like we grow up in la and, and, and all the gang stuff like it's part of your life but it's not in your face because a lot of it's concealed and, and, yeah. and you know, hidden from view you know intentionally so being able to peek behind that and see how the systems work and everything works and and you kind of do see the similarities between like large corporations in terms of strong arm tactics retaliation people you know but trying to hold people accountable like there's all kinds of things like that where it's like man the everybody runs kind of similar you know like the systems are not as different as you yeah. think we try to put them in different groups but those tactics they they seem to translate across you know <laughs> industry so like so it's good to be hip to that to understand like at the end of the day the, the these are human kind of pursuits that get twisted in these bureaucratic structures and you know like so it's it's it, those are cool shows to see too and then is is pretty quality quality programming right there so.
2: definitely and thankfully the, the town that my family's from is not like that So that's why I can see it in peace.
3: But
2: No, the the town my dad's from in Mexico, a little town near Puerto Vallarta called Las Palmas, is very, you know, small little village with just a few thousand people. I mean, and it's grown since the the last time I was there, but it's a small little village. Same every time you go, it's super, they'll have a party when outsiders come that, that are from there. So they'll literally kill a pig and they'll, they'll throw it down. And I got to take my kids there <laughs> a few years ago. And I was a little nervous because my, my kids, unfortunately, they don't, they're not fluent in Spanish. Uh, they understand it because I do speak Spanish at home, but not as much as I, sh- I should be. And so when we took them for the first time, there's something about kids and just, they don't need to speak the same language as their cousins. And they just got along. They, they, they they miss each other, so um, we'll we'll often get in touch with them, and when we go back, we get to see them still. And my kids they have fond memories of going to to my dad's village there and, and being around their cousins and, and, you know, not knowing the language fully, but speaking it and it translated because they came back home kind of with a new energy to learn the language. Like, oh no, I want to be, know my cultura a little bit more. I want to know, um, you know, more of my history. And, and so my son's now in in high school and he's in a Spanish class and it's like, no, we have to talk Spanish all day moms. And so he'll, he'll, we'll we'll talk Spanish and get through it. And it's, it's nice to see that translate, um, to to your children and to see that the kids are are, are interested in in the history
1: which is great yeah, yep. yeah. absolutely the culture the culture that
2: culture
1: mm-hmm. absolutely thank you very much for sharing
0: that with this keel mm-hmm. you want to go you want me to go uh it's up to you it's fine i mean it. it doesn't okay. matter all right i'll i'll go next real quick uh, just because you've been putting the pressure on me to do more do more for aapi plus months. so <laughs> not really not really but i feel pressured so this, this made my picks are um, two, two folks that I've, I've just barely worked with, but I've, I've admired their work over the years. Two record labels uh, from California up in the Bay. There's a label called Asian Man Records, run by a Korean guy named, Korean man named Mike Park. He was in a band called Skank and Pickle. Also, you know, he's he's a, which is an old ska punk band from the from the early mid 90s. He started his own label, Deal Records, put out their stuff, and then Deal Fold, and he started Asian Man Records up in the Bay. Down in LA, we have Lauren Records, uh, run by a guy named Aaron Kovacs. He was in a band that I used to. Uh, there's a band that played around here called summer vacation they play around ventura santa barbara la but He was also in a band called winter break and i really like them but he started Lauren records and between the two of them both aapi plus labels both you know doing punk rock which is kind of you know something where there weren't a lot of Asians when i was growing up in punk because i was in the you know with the hardcore punks with all the squatters and stuff like that there weren't that many Asians there and even even with the modern indie pop punk kind of stuff the, the crowds did not really start fleshing out until very recently in the past four or five years. There have been a couple of big artists, uh, Mitsuki, Japanese Breakfast. There's a lot of J-Som. a few Asian um, artists that have really broken and gotten more crowds, you know, more diverse crowds into the shows. But these these guys, you know, Mike Park and Aaron and Lauren Records and Asian Man Records, they were kind of fighting that battle when it was when there was nobody. And they were you know putting out all kinds of music. I mean, Asian Man Records has broken. You know, bigger bands like Alkaline Trio and Less Than Jake that that have crossed over, and they started on Asian Man with a really small label, Lauren Records. You know, Joyce Manners put out stuff on 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 Lauren, and and there's just uh, there's enough bands there. But it's just for them, it's all about running kind of the DIY stuff, like just putting putting stuff out for people that want to put their stuff out. So there's a lot of small acts. All the all the music is pretty good, but you know, it, it does kind of hue, you know, rock or punk or that kind of. But they they put everything out. They put stuff out. They put everything. But it's just you know, it's just good to see. I have helped them kind of find when, when bands on their on those labels need to like find a show in town. I have helped a couple of the artists, you know, like when we used to throw shows at the library and then like, you know, Bico Garage, the DIY venues, I could, I could, I'd help move them sometimes, but I don't know them personally like that, but I do, I am proud to say I've, I've worked through them at a certain point to try to keep the culture moving. But yeah, just both those labels have, have meant a lot to me and and the fact that they're run by, by, by Asian American folks in, in cultures that are not always represented that way has always meant, has always meant a lot to me too. You know, so it's, it's good to see people like that people like me doing that work and actually holding it down for the community. Cause I'm, I'm a big old seller. I took the, I took the comfy public sector route and the nice benefits and I've booked it out of there. I'm not trying to make it in music, but to see those guys, I mean, uh, Mike Park has been hustling for over 36 years, running a label out of his parents' garage. Aaron's been doing loan records, about 10 years and that's i mean you know you agent dog years doing that kind of entertainment work so seeing them hold it down for so long had to shout them out so yeah mike mike up that asian man and then uh aaron down at lawrence good on y'all put your put your record label websites in the show notes hopefully folks go to the links and buy some merch or something so yeah thank you very much
1: nice good choice but you got to kill man i was thinking like what can i what can i do you know and so i'm coming a little different and from a different angle i'm going cookbook on today y'all <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm going for um this one's called recipes from an indian kitchen because aapi we gotta you know uh-huh. get a shout out to he, He's still holding it down still, <laughs> stay, <laughs> for, stay for, holding for, it down still on theme still, over here yeah. guys, you gotta stay on theme guys uh-huh. stay on theme but it's called recipes from an indian uh kitchen um, and it's authentic recipes uh, from across India. Um, it's really here's why I really like this cookbook and this is the reason why I wanted to suggest it is because if you like Indian food, Indian food to me is like one of those things that are one of the type of food that, it's either you have to go to the restaurant or you have to know someone who, who cooks mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And so most people don't make it at home, but this cookbook actually is really good for people who like Indian food, who want to cook it and are, at the, are like at a beginning stage. Um, so that's the reason why I'm suggesting the cookbook, because you can be like, like I'm not super versed, although my brother-in-law, his, uh, his mother is from India, but this cookbook super simple, super easy. All the ingredients you can get, actually find probably relatively, um, you know, at your neighborhood market. But just as it does a really great job as explaining how you can, can cook Indian dishes. And one of my favorite dishes that uh, we usually make, it's called uh, spice uh, Mashed Eggplant. It has all the, you know, the traditional like coriander, cumin, turmeric, all the traditional things that you find in Indian food. Right. But it's super the directions are super good, super easy. So that's my pick for the week. It's it's really a good easy cookbook for non-traditional Indian cookers. You know, Indian people may look at it and be like, that's blasphemy, but
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not
1: Indian. But I, it's,
2: I, mm-hmm. I I love Indian food. I just celebrated a birthday and that was my choice. That's all I want. I don't want to cook. Bring me some Indian food.
1: And oh really?
2: We don't have a lot of choices here.
1: Yeah. There's not, there's
2: not a lot of choices. What are your go-tos in town?
1: Shoot. Uh I'm a flavor. The, I I mean I'm old school. I mean, I've been to Flavor India. Yeah, that's what uh, we had. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like the lamb. I like the chicken korma the lamb Indian looks pretty good there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm usually flavor India. I I know there's wasn't there one on State Street huh? Isn't there flavor Indian? flavor of India is
0: just recently changed ownership, but they kept the recipes because so the recipes are all very similar, but even with the new mm-hmm. ownership, flavor of good. They used to have that one on State Street, Spice Avenue, but they closed. And there's one of the Lower State was an India, it was an all india cafe, but they switched and now are uh, Tibetan Nepalese, so it's called the Tibetan Nepal, Nepal House. So they do have some Indian crossover, but it's got more. If you've had the, if you know the difference between like Nepalese, yeah, cuisine, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's a little different in terms of the, the spicing and stuff. But a lot of the a lot of the food is still there. And then Galita has uh, Masala Spice, so they oh, they, do a, they do a buffet and then they do like like uh, and i think that i think the chef there is i believe from sri lanka but i'm not sure but mm. so it's 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 still it's still pretty good it's 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 a solid contender but flavor is probably that flavor tastes like an indian an indian mom's cooking to me like the yeah, way yeah. that the spinach is it's so clean and everything like yeah mm-hmm. honestly
2: it's, that's I mean, all i know i don't think i've ever tried indian food in you know, anywhere else here local yeah
0: i mean it's the I've thing that's it. missing is that representation from the regions like the masala spice they do a dosa you know dosa is mm-hmm. like southern indian so just just some of the more regional stuff, but because yeah. the flavor is is it's a Punjabi style cuisine, so from the north, mm-hmm. so it's, it's but it's I mean it's so good and it's you know so and then and then there's that like the London influence stuff where they call it you know where they have the butter chicken instead of chicken, yeah, but- chicken masala and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So so they, there's, there's they, so they many They just ways started the
2: butter. They just started the butter chicken at flavored of India because we we tried some.
0: Yeah, yeah it's probably it's, and it's probably that thing where people were looking for that name like do you have yeah. butter chicken? No, you have chicken masala. Like well, if it's not butter chicken, I don't know if I could do it. So like, yeah. Folks in London, they only know it as butter chicken, really. So, yeah.
1: I make a pretty good butter chicken. Roxanne asked for, asked, you know, like when she was pregnant. That was one of the things. Can you make butter chicken? I was making butter chicken like three times a week.
2: Is it part of the the cookbook? You're going to have to send the recipe.
1: I'm sure. gonna actually. I'll bring the cookbook in for you, Angelica. Okay. uh And then uh, the butter chicken is actually. I had to use a cheat code. It was. Uh, I found <laughs> it on like TikTok. <laughs> my and it worked because half the Dude, TikTok it hacks works. don't work. Half don't, don't work. So no, this you. one does. This one's really good. Yeah, yeah. I think I sent you probably some pictures, on But yeah, I, I had to use the cheat code, and I went TikTok on y'all for the butter <laughs> chicken. But it's actually really good.
0: Yeah, I, I we cook Indian every now and then, and I've noticed that. Once you do it the first time, you'll have the ingredients. Once yeah. you get those ingredients, you know, like it's, the yeah. the cumin, like you said, yeah. the cardamom, yeah, the coriander, get, yeah, garam masala. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. Once you have those spices, then you can start cooking and really exploring any cuisine. But it's exactly. it's a lot of folks don't want to go to the effort of getting those five or six. That's like any regional cuisine. You have to have like yeah. five mm-hmm. or six things in your pantry from that area. that yeah. Go that go in almost everything in some some combination. So yep. if you're willing to take that leap and get those five or six things then you can kind of unlock a region's cuisine you know yeah. five or six things yeah. yeah yeah
2: our mexican food has five different types of dried chili for any sauce yeah
0: <laughs> or like if you want that msg you get tagine you know yeah. it's an msg, MSG <laughs> on our side msg in <laughs> our side tagine over there like it's all yeah it's a it's like five or six things to simulate those flavors yeah. and then to, and then that gives you that little spin so yeah so absolutely but yes I'll put the links to everything in the show notes. Thank you, Akio. Thank you, and and for coming on the show. That wraps it up for 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 the grilling that you know all the questions we have. If there's anything you want to mention, uh, anything you want to plug before we say goodbye for the for for us in the crowd. Uh,
2: thank you guys for having me. This is, this is nice. It's nice to just chat it up and not think about work for well,
0: with <laughs> my emails
2: for for a little while. So yeah, thank you guys.
0: You, you got to think <laughs> about the best parts. Of how you serve the community? How you serve the community? And how yeah. the community has vouched for you, not only via the great events you put on, but also that administrator of the year award that you won this year. So, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Thank yep. you. Did, you
1: get, did you get that free parking with that? Does that come with free parking up
2: front? <laughs> yep. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it came with a nice little check that I took to Costa Rica. Hey.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was no fun. more. That's, that's, all, that's all you had to say. That, that, say that, that's all you
1: need yeah right, that's for the next show we'll talk later <laughs> <in that> show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again thank you so an much honor. Angelica. It's an thank honor. you as
2: okay. always
1: a keel and until
0: next time y'all this was viketo voices thank y'all take Peace. care